0: Psalm 107 and Romans 1, we're looking at a message today entitled, Honoring God with Our Gratitude. Would you please stand in honor of the reading of God's Word? First from Psalm 107 and verse 8, let me get there. Let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love, for His wondrous works to the children of man. And then Romans one nineteen 19 19-20. And I'll connect all these dots later. You might be wondering what these two have to do with each other. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. He's been speaking about the wrath of God being poured out upon man for their unrighteousness. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Exodus through verse 21. Would you pray with me? Uh, Father, we... uh, Examine your word. We know that it is replete with admonitions and exhortations and commands to be thankful. And we just confess, Father, that we are not always so. We allow our circumstances and our situations to intermingle with our blessings, and we sometimes get thrown off track. I pray, Father, you'd help us today to focus on all that is ours in Your Son, Christ Jesus. In His name, we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Living with gratitude is not always easy. I mean, we know we should count our blessings just like that great old standard that we sang just a few moments ago, but sometimes it's just easier to count our miseries. At least it seems to come more naturally, and and, and miseries often capture our thoughts and, and, and interrupt our days more readily than our blessings if we're willing to admit that but i found something and i bet you've discovered the same thing is that counting my miseries serves in effect to dissuade to to shrink my soul and i and i wind up even more miserable than i was when i began and, and i get it counting our blessings can be tedious at first a bit and maybe a bit arduous and it's an act of we, we do it out of obedience but rather than an overflow of joy, that's what we ought to be counting our blessings out of. But, but, but in the end, it opens up space in our heart. When we choose to focus on what we've been given rather than on the things that we do not have over what we're missing, we feel happier, more contented, less agitated. And further than that, when we choose to face our miseries directly and, and even find blessings in them, something miraculous happens in our lives. We come to a place, we come to a place where we begin to see all of life differently. We we see our circumstances, as it were, through a lens of faith, and we're able to declare, even with confidence, that even in the worst of circumstances, even on the worst of days, God is still good. And there's so much for which to be thankful. I say, God is good, I want you to say all the time God is good, all the time. So as always, I want to see what God's Word has to say to us about thanksgiving, so we're going to take a little tour. and As we do, we're going to see that the Bible repeatedly stresses the importance of thanksgiving. Starting in Psalm 50, verse 14, Offered to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Staying in the psalms, that same psalm we read earlier, a little bit later in that. Let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love and for His wondrous works to the children of man. And let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of His deeds in songs of joy. In psalm 92, verse 1, It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to Your name, O Most High. And then Paul in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20, Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul, again, in Colossians 3, verse 17, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. And In Hebrews 13, 15, Through Him, that is God, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is the fruit of lips that give thanks to His name. Beloved, our speech, our songs, our prayers ought to be filled with thanksgiving. Our Lord Savior Jesus knew the importance of giving thanks. In Matthew chapter 11 verse 25, he said, "I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little men." And then in John chapter 6 verse 11, before feeding the 5000, Jesus says, Jesus took the loaves and when he given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated just before raising Lazarus from the dead. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you always hear me. Revelation chapter 7, verse 11 tells us that the angels give thanks. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever Amen. Now, in addition to those positive examples, the Bible teaches us that failing to give thanks is a characterization of the wicked. One indictment of unbelievers is found in the text we read earlier, even though they knew God, Romans: 121 even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give him thanks. Evil men are marked by ungratefulness in the word Luke 635 uh, and here in Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 2, In the last days there will come times of difficulty. Men will be ungrateful, among many other things. Scripture tells us to be thankful to God for many different things. We're to thank Him for who He is, for one. Psalm 30, verse 4 says, Sing praise to the Lord, O you His saints, and give thanks to His holy name. We should thank Him also for His nearness. We give thanks to You, O God. We give thanks for Your name is near. Paul gave thanks to God for His salvation and for, for using Him to serve Him. He says, I thank Him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because He judged me faithful, appointing me to His service, though I was formerly was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly, in unbelief. Paul also gave thanks for the spiritual growth of other folks. He said, We ought to always give thanks to God for you. 2 Thessalonians 1:3. Brothers as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of everyone for one another is increasing. But that could always be said of us, RBC. Even mundane things like food call for giving thanks. That's the context of 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. For everything created by God is good. And nothing is to be rejected if it's received with thanksgiving, he writes. Perhaps First Thessalonians 5:18 sums it all up quite succinctly. In everything, give thanks. for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. But what makes us most thankful? beloved? Is it not the work of Christ? Paul exclaims, "Thanks be to God for his indescribable. Gift. I want to say to you that our faith in God blossoms when we recognize Him as the source of fundamental blessings in our life. Like breath and sustenance and shelter and peace and fulfillment and others that you can think of. Let me say that again. Our faith in God blossoms when we recognize Him as the source of of fundamental blessings like life and breath and sustenance and shelter and peace and fulfillment. And that's because sustaining faith, persevering faith, has its roots in thankfulness. And more than that, I suggest to you that only when a person outside of Christ is willing to acknowledge, yes, there's a God, and I've received so much from Him, I probably owe Him more than passive acknowledgement. Perhaps I should turn and consider whether I ought to be reconciled to this God who who gave me life, who gives me strength, who made me. Only then will he or she be ready for saving faith. Faith to believe in God is the one to whom we must be reconciled. Salvation has its roots in thankfulness, just as faith that perseveres, sanctification has its roots in thankfulness. As we saw earlier, Paul made this point on a grand scale in Romans chapter 1 when he wrote about the God who created the universe, saying that at the heart of every human being is an awareness that God exists. And I would say to you, only the most thankless, closed-minded, lost person would ever stand and look up at the vastness of the universe and say... Well, there's no God. Who, who can look at the beauty and the enormity and the obvious order of the universe and say anything else but the heavens declare the glory of God? Any person with an open mind realizes that the universe didn't come into existence through some kind of random and illogical bang. Creative chance, chance creativity doesn't make any more sense than throwing a a stick of dynamite into a printing factory and expecting the explosion to produce a great novel. You don't get order from chaos. And and there's no way that, that all we see could possibly exist without a God of some sort who brought it into existence. Now someone's going to say, Preacher, I get you, but I don't understand God. No, but you still must make a choice about His existence, the alternative being that our entire universe evolved from nothing. I don't think so. Now, the amazing thing, beloved, is that our capacity to make the right choice about the existence of God hinges on the level of thankfulness in our own heart. As Paul argued, for although they knew God, even though there was something deep within them that said, yeah, I know there's a God, you know, I, I, there's a God, there's a God. They did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. At the root of mankind's rejection of God is a resolute unwillingness to be thankful. But they became futile, and their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. And after that, things got really bad. If You read on in chapter 1. The point is that all of the good things that God wants to bring into our life are rooted in thankfulness. Researchers have realized for some time now that an attitude of gratitude directed toward God is a powerful source of of health and physical well being. Lowers stress, lowers blood pressure, speeds recovery from surgery. A recent study suggests that less. Alcohol and drug abuse, less criminal behavior, fewer divorces, and higher marital satisfaction, a life is filled with regular thankfulness to God. And then there's this, those who regularly attend worship services, you've heard this before, have a lower mortality rate than those who do not. This word gratitude is defined in the Oxford Dictionary this way, to show that a kindness received... Is valued. Oh, I, got, I, I skipped one, didn't I? Let me go back for you here. There it is. To show that a kindness received is valued. Genuine gratitude requires that we get past obligation and we somehow show how much we deeply value, how much we deeply appreciate the value of what we've received. Now, here's a test that will help you to analyze whether your thankfulness is the real deal or not. Perhaps. I want you to think back to earlier this morning. Think back to when you were, you were getting ready to come to church. Now, then as you parked your car, as you got out and you walked into the building, as you passed through the lobby, picked up a bulletin, and, and sat down in your small group of here in the sanctuary, truthfully, let me ask you, what was at the center of your heart? What was at the center of your heart? Did any of these thoughts about to follow here enter your mind? Well, I wonder what I'm going to get out of this today. Am I going to be encouraged? I wonder if I'm going to like the pastor's message today. I wonder if he's going to be able to keep my attention and make me smile, make me feel good about myself. I wonder what we're singing today. Well, I'd be glad I came. But if that kind of thinking predominated your thought pattern, if that was present as you prepared yourself for worship, it reveals something. It reveals a self-centeredness, a thankless theology that serves to promote stifling, promotes complaining and stifles gratitude. The truth is, if we never received another thing from God, not a, not another thing for the rest of our lives, we could still fill every single day with gratitude, genuine gratitude. Thank you, God, for this new day. Thank you, God, that I have the opportunity to serve you today. Thank you for breath that I can use to praise you. Thank you for my health. Lord, thank you for my strength. But somehow we we so often shift our focus away from all that we have and instead focus on that which we do not have. And that's where complaining and negativity comes in. We begin to minimize the blessings that we've received from God, all that comes with the hope of the gospel, and we begin to magnify instead every difficulty, every real or perceived need, every disappointment. Looking at Psalm 107, we see that verse is actually repeated four times in that Psalm. God exhorts us over and over again to put off complaining and to put on genuine thankfulness. I think the New King King James Version renders it best. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for His wonderful works to the children of men. When we get covered up by the circumstances of life and slip into whining and complaining and negativity, thinking about this verse right here, it ought to cut us right to the heart. As I thought about this verse myself with the celebration of Thanksgiving Day coming up this Thursday, I thought about three specific points when it comes to living a life rooted in Thanksgiving. And the first is this. Thankfulness is a personal choice. Thankfulness is a choice that we make. It is just as real as any other decision that we make. The psalmist wrote, Let men, or oh that men will give thanks to the Lord. By men, of course, he means men and women here, mankind. Just notice the verse simply says, Let them give thanks to the Lord. So implicit here is that we can give thanks as then we have the ability to give thanks if only we would the text doesn't say if man could give thanks like we may or may not have the ability to do so the ball is not beloved in god's court it's in our court we are not free to say things like it's your fault god i i would give thanks if i could if you hadn't made me so negative If you hadn't made me so selfish, but I am, so I can't. But I would if I could, but you didn't, so I can't. So. No, the text is indicating that we have the choice. It's our decision whether to give thanks or to withhold thanks. And what a critical, life-changing, joy-producing, happiness inducing choice it really is you can choose your attitude of gratitude as much as you can choose what you're going to have for lunch today or what you're going to wear to school or to work tomorrow twelve and a half years that's how long it's been since sixty tornadoes ripped through the state of Alabama April the 27th 2011 a day I will certainly Never forget the numerous and violent tornadoes left a awake that literally you have would have had to see to believe. Two hundred and forty people dead, thirty-seven of those within thirty miles of Boaz where we were living and serving, more than twenty two hundred people injured, and nearly fourteen thousand homes destroyed or left uninhabitable. The total economic impact was somewhere north of six billion dollars now in Boaz, we were largely spared there were no deaths there were no seriously injured there were some homes damaged some trees down some vehicles that were destroyed we, we largely though escaped the wrath of the storms that surrounded us and affected so many in our state in the aftermath of this tragedy god had the full and undivided attention of all of us because we begin to recognize in a fresh way, in a new way, how often we take for granted the simple things of life, how, how this stark reminder was given to us that, that we, all we know and all we love can be gone just like that. When I think about those to whom we were able to, to minister, again, many of them who have lost everything, their homes and everything in them destroyed, just gone, scattered across the landscape. And so many lost loved ones by the sheer force of these winds. As we delivered meals one day soon after the storms, we we drove by two different funeral homes that were both conducting funeral services for multiple family members. You really have to see that level of destruction to recognize, to understand how catastrophic it is. Well, you talk about putting a sobering stop to complaining and a marvelous magnification of genuine thankfulness. All all that devastation, all that loss served as a powerful reminder of just how much we have to be thankful for. And, And listen, we saw this. We saw genuine thankfulness among many of the victims of those devastating storms, even as they picked up what remained of their belongings and said their final goodbyes. Your friends and family. They said things like, did the sun come up this morning? Praise be to God. Do you have another day to live for the glory of God? Thank you, Father. Do you have a roof over your head? Thank you, Jesus. Are your loved ones safe and secure? Thank you, Father. There's plenty to focus on for Thanksgiving. You say, well, yeah, but there's still plenty to focus on and complain about too pastor exactly it's your choice here's a second lesson from psalm 107 thankfulness is a reality-based choice now i'm not talking about looking at life through rose-colored glasses i'm not talking about some kind of pie-in-the-sky theology here i'm asking you to engage your mind and to literally ask do i really have a lot for which to be thankful. And the answer ought to be clearly yes. The classic book by Daniel Defoe, Robinson Crusoe, describes a man who was shipwrecked, spent 27 years on a tropical island, and his story perfectly illustrates that thankfulness is rooted in is a decision, excuse me, rooted in reality. We find our hero. He's cast away on this island all by himself, and I want you to hear this from his journal. I now began to seriously consider my condition and the circumstances I was reduced to. I drew up the state of my affairs in writing to deliver my thoughts from daily pouring over them and afflicting my mind. As my reasoning began now to master my despondency, I began to comfort myself as well as I could and to set the good against the evil that I might have something to distinguish my case from one that is much worse. So I stated it very impartially, like a debitor and a creditor, the comforts I had enjoyed and the miseries I suffered. And we'll call the list that he wrote, The Complaining List, and the thankful list. I want you to notice the deliberate choices of thankfulness based in the reality that he was facing. Complaint. I am cast upon a horrible desert island, void of all hope of recovery. But he wrote this. Thanks. I'm alive, not drowned, as all of my ship's company. Complaint. I am singled out and separate, as it were, from all the world to be miserable. Thanks. But I'm singled out, too, from all the ship's crew to be spared death. God who miraculously saved me from death can deliver me from this condition also. Complaint: I have no clothes to cover me. But He wrote this about thanks. I am without any defense or means to resist any violence or be, uh, excuse me, but I'm in a hot climate where if I had clothes, I could not wear them. Then the next complaint. I am without any defense or means to resist any violence of man or beast. Thanks. But I, cast, but I am cast on an island where I see no wild beast to hurt me. As I saw on the coast of Africa, what if I had been shipwrecked there? And finally, complaint. I have no soul to speak to or to relieve me. Thanks. But God wonderfully set the ship in near enough to the shore that I have gotten out so many necessary things as will either supply my wants or enable me to supply myself even as long as I live. That's so powerful. If you just grasp this truth, beloved, we're asking God here to fundamentally change our attitude before we find ourselves wandering in the desert of if only and what if. We're trying to learn from His Word that our attitudes and our decisions that we make about how we're going to think how we're going to approach life, how we're going to see our circumstances, the things that befall us, and that those decisions are based in reality. We're not walking around with rose-colored glasses, you and I, in our own little pretend world, choosing to focus on the good things in our lives. That's not ignorance and naivete rooted in fantasy. I suggest to you that's wisdom, that's faith rooted in reality thanksgiving is a personal choice and it's a reality-based choice here's a final thought from psalm 107 thankfulness is a life-changing choice the first word of verse 8 is key let or "O" in the new king's james version i read earlier it's the best part of the verse i think let them thank the lord for his wondrous works to the children of men. And the beginning word tells us something something radical is coming, something life-changing is coming. The psalmist, he's not being overly dramatic here. He's he's fired up because he's recognizing that, that we're so very close to getting a hold of something that is so very powerful. And so he spontaneously says, Oh, let this happen. Oh, that this would be the case. Oh, that men would praise and give thanks to the Lord. There's passion here. Because the message is important. The message is important because if we fail to apprehend this truth, beloved, we will never rise to the level of abundant life that Christ desires for us. One writer put it like this. Gratitude is the attitude that sets the altitude for living. Unfortunately, there's a kind of low-level living that many of us settle for. It's it's a it's a level of living that's marked by a poor attitude, a dismal attitude, one that just leaves a person scraping by with with small joy for the present and little hope for the future. We're kinda like Eeyore, the donkey and Winnie the Pooh, who said, I'm so upset I forgot to be happy. A lot of folks are there, beloved. It's a depressing sort of existence a discouraging, gloomy sort of life characterized by this seeming inability to recognize all the positives in life and to display gratitude for all that is good. That, that kind of individual is mired in this thankless, complaining, negative sort of existence. And if we're honest, we'd have to admit that we've all spent a few days there, maybe more than a few days. But there's another kind of living A kind of living that's characterized by an attitude that's cheerful, by a disposition that's positive. An outlook that tends not to focus on the disappointments or the present difficulties, but instead looks to the future with a hope rooted in the promises of God. This, This life rises above discouragement, and it refuses to focus on the negative. And if you've ever lived up there, if you're there now, you know that's where we want to live our lives. So what do we do? How do we live thankful lives instead of complaining lives? How do we live for Him? How shall we please Him? We must be thankful to Him. Beloved, we cannot add to His glory. But we can and we must honor His glory. There is only one righteous destiny For the children of God. To live for the praise of His glory. To join our Maker in His manifold purpose. To make His power and glory known and loved among the nations. Beloved, we honor His glory by cherishing it and by being thankful. The psalmist writes, He who brings thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies God gratitude honors God say that with me gratitude honors God gratitude resonates within our hearts echoing the grace that has filled its emptiness gratitude is the shameless acceptance of the free gifts of forgiveness and eternal life we've received by faith in Jesus Christ, a passionate declaration flowing from the depths of our being that we cherish above all things that which we could never purchase, that which we could never deserve, that which we could never earn. Gratitude, you see, honors the unfettered grace of God and reflects the humility of a dependent and open, humble heart this Thursday, Thanksgiving, you're going to sit down at a dinner table and you're going to eat your Thanksgiving meal. I know there are many of us here. You're going to take time. It's probably a tradition in your family to reflect upon all for which we are to be thankful. We'll be grateful in that moment, not grumbling. And we should praise Him. We should thank Him because He has given us so very much. This Thanksgiving, as you sit down with your family, I want you to to try something. I want you to... I want you to do this. I want you to picture Jesus, as best you can, also sitting down at His table. I want you to picture Him looking down at the earth and visualize Him thinking about you and leaning over to His angels and saying, I'm so thankful for Michelle. I'm so thankful for Mark. I'm so thankful for... That Hassan, he pleases me. That Cindy, she brings me great delight. You do realize that's what the Bible says Jesus is saying, right? Luke chapter 12, verse 8, records these words. I tell you, my friends, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man, will also acknowledge before, that is, in the presence of the angels of God. Now, I can't say precisely what that looks like. No one can, but I like to imagine... That every time you and I give glory and praise to our Savior through our words and our deeds, every time we bring Him glory, praise His name, truly worship Him boldly and unashamedly for all to see, I like to imagine Jesus leaning over to the angels and pointing to us, acknowledging us to the angels, saying, He delights in us. She delights in us because we belong. To him. Because we worship him above anything and everything else in this world, because we're obedient to him and we love him above all else. And because we put our hope in his unfailing love so much that we can't help but tell others about him. When people look at us, beloved, they need to see and hear not of people who are constantly complaining about what they don't have, but of people thankful and joyful and for all we do have because we are blessed say we are blessed and we serve a thankful and joyous God who delights in us it is my sincere hope beloved that you enjoy a thanksgiving holiday that brings you great joy great thankfulness of heart for all that you have would you pray with me in us correcting our our negative thinking our pessimism lord can we be those whose lives are characterized by gratitude by genuine thankfulness and that's what we want father we want we want the joy that comes from that kind of living from that kind of perspective and i pray for all those here who here who are facing dire circumstances difficult times that they would not have their vision of you blocked by that circumstance blocked by that situation, but they would see you through their adversity. All of us, Father. May our lives be characterized every day by thankful hearts. I want to pray for those who are here today and, and they've heard this before. They, they've heard the gospel of your son, Jesus Christ, before, but they have been resistant. They have yet to yield in faith to him as Lord and Savior of their lives. I pray today that your spirit is so moved in their heart, they're compelled in this moment by your spirit to submit, to come and acknowledge Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I pray for those who have, not where they ought to be, Father, they've, they've, they've moved away from you, their fault, somebody else's fault, no one's fault, they've just moved away, Father, and they've heard today, what they've heard today has caused them to want to draw closer to you. I pray, Father, they'll rededicate today. Perhaps even making that rededication public for rededicate their life. That we'd all do that, Father, each and every day, desiring to grow closer to you and be more like your son today than we were yesterday. And finally, Father, I want to pray for those who are searching for church homes. They've, they've, they've been around. They've seen some churches. They've been here before, perhaps, Father, and, and they're waiting for your spirit to speak to them. I pray that would be, Father... Uh, uh, a process that would be clear to them, whether it's this church or any other church, and that they would know, Father, when you're calling them to a specific body. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.